0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another uh, SADPA session. Today we, uh, we wish to acknowledge that this event takes place on the land of the Blackfoot people and the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3, and we pay respects to their past, present, and future cultural heritage beliefs and relationships to the land. SACPA is very thankful for the continuing support we receive from the University of Lethbridge Shaw Spotlight and the Lethbridge Herald. SACPA believes in providing a safe place for everyone to participate in meaningful conversation and will do its best to present and promote such a context on all its settings. As a result, SACPA will not tolerate any bullying or harassment on its channels. Comments designed to attack, bully or harass individuals based on their race, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity or expression, country of origin or political affiliation will not be tolerated. Furthermore, comments containing obscenity or defamatory language will be deleted. Today we are very um, happy to have Shaheen Medezadeh, the Lethbridge Police chief with us today. He was sworn in as the Lethbridge Chief of Police in August of 2020. He began his policing career with the RCMP in 1989. He's an accomplished police executive with more than 30 years of national and international police, policing experience, covering such disciplines as general patrol duties, major crimes, drugs and organized crime, covert operations, and national security. He's a member of the Order of Merit of the Police Forces. Chief Madazadeh Mahal- has a proven track record of success in leading initiatives to counter and prevent crime, promote public safety, and build strong relationships with the community. Thank you very much for joining us today, Chief, and making the time for us here today, and I look forward to your talk.
1: Thank you very much, and I uh, really appreciate this opportunity, and. Uh, uh, As we got limited time I guess we just move on with the presentation and uh, if you can load is it loaded on right now yeah okay so if we go to slide two which uh, really is an overview of the presentation uh, uh, what we are going to be talking today and uh, and I'm hoping that uh this is certainly going to generate some discussions and uh, and good chats and questions uh, following uh, this presentation uh so uh basically what we are going to overview is obviously my my journey a little bit give you give you a little bit of context about myself uh and uh, obviously some of the challenges that are facing lps and uh, Obviously, we're just go, going through how we are dealing with those challenges moving forward, and obviously, question and answers at the at the end of that. Next slide, please. So, as uh, thanks for that introduction, uh, I uh, I've been in the policing world for now 32 years, uh, which uh, started uh, in uh, when I was a uh, immigrant coming to Canada in '84. And in 89, after I had received my citizenship, I knew what I wanted to be, and and basically applied for a bunch of police forces and RCMP, uh, managed to get a job with the RCMP. And uh, with the RCMP, I've had the honor and opportunity to work in every province and territory, and also internationally, which has given me a good, a lot of good practice, learned a lot of good practices uh, about policing, and uh, and leadership within that, uh, uh, working with many different agencies in Canada and across the world. Uh, and uh, now that we are settling in Alberta, there was an opportunity to come to Lethbridge as a chief here, and uh, I'm quite happy uh, and honored to be a police chief in Lethbridge, leading a great team here. So, next slide, please. I. Uh, Oh, before I start, I just uh, wanted to also uh, comment about, uh, uh, you know, we, we always have uh, talk about accomplishments in life and whatever, but uh, I have to add that my greatest accomplishment is my daughter, uh, 19-year-old daughter, who uh, is uh, basically everything uh, you know, I do is uh, to actually, for her. And I'm also very lucky to be married to a wonderful lady, uh, uh, and Christine, uh, which really, they're, they're the highlight of my life and, and, and uh, uh, you know, biggest accomplishments I've achieved in life. Okay, so on internal challenges, uh, on some of the internal challenges with the police service, <coughs> uh, I'm just going to start off with, I, I, I don't have this in the, uh, in the uh, document, but uh, first of all, as uh, you've all been reading in the media, is the current situation and challenges we are facing as far as building this team and moving forward. Obviously, those are significant. And, and uh, in the last six months that I've been here uh, every day, uh, from uh, early in the morning till late in the evening, uh, my efforts have been focused on, on dealing with some of these issues. And I'm sure there will be questions on that later on, so I'll I'll reserve the comments for that later. But uh, certainly that's a challenge I should have added, but I haven't had a chance to even uh, put some finishing touches on this presentation. Um, Basically, the challenges we have, employee wellness is always a challenge. Uh, And by that, I don't mean it in in a a bad way. But it's always, uh, when we look at challenge, I look at areas that we need to focus on. So employee wellness is critical for any organization to focus on. And certainly, if you make it a challenge for the organization, it gets the attention it deserves. Uh, Building a culture of trust and respect, uh, that's critical. And that's some of the issues that we're dealing with today has to do with some of the historic events that have happened uh, in this city for the department that have brought us today and how we are dealing with them today moving forward. But that that is critical, and that's always a challenge. How do we actually provide that uh, service to the community and uh, build that trust and uh, credibility within the, uh, within the community that we serve? Uh, the challenging ourselves to ensure efficiencies, that's always a challenge. The police uh, work has become a very expensive venture for any municipality or uh, level of government. And there's always pressure on police leaders to come up with efficient, more efficient ways to manage uh, their business, to deliver the police service, and uh, and keep the citizens happy. But I also can uh, state that over the last 32 years as a police officer, I've be- found that police work has also become much more demanding. The demand from the citizens is much higher today. Uh, they-, they have the expectations, rightfully so. And how does how the police force uh, managing to deliver and manage those expectations with the limited resources, budgets, etc., that we have, and trying to be more efficient in our, in our approach. <clears throat> and, uh, and also communication, basically talking about communications uh, with every employee and uh, how do we actually reach our employees to make sure they're delivering the service we have that they can provide. Especially in the current environment we have, how do I motivate people when you keep getting beaten in the media and, uh, and uh, it doesn't stop? How do you actually motivate these people, individuals, our employees, to actually focus on their work, on their mandate, continue to deliver the service that we do? In as much as we get uh, uh, negative media at times, uh, I can tell you the calls for service do not stop or do not slow down. We still have a job to do, We have the show has to go on and the public still expects us to provide the service to them. Uh, just want to uh, go back, if you don't mind, I just want to take a couple of things on the last slide, internal challenge at the beginning of it, employee wellness. Uh, we have put many, many initiatives in place that, that uh, we we have over the last few years, few months, and, and even uh, continuing with those. Uh, as I've mentioned, that's a very critical piece. A healthy team is only, uh, uh, can provide the service to the community. And uh, the model here is, you have to look after the people who deliver the service to the community. And if you don't have a healthy team, healthy employees, we can't. they can do the work that they need to do. And our job is critical in the, uh, making sure this community uh, strives and, and become the uh, the city that uh, people enjoy living in. So on that front, obviously, there is uh, on the employee wellness. We we have many things uh, from mental health perspective to providing support to the employees through psychological means. We even uh, recently have developed an app on their phones uh, through Cordica, which uh, provides them with the immediate... If they're having a bad day, they can they can make assessments on that app and then see if they they need to uh, uh, make make them make it known to their supervisors or a peer or get the help they need. Uh, one, the biggest thing with mental health and employee wellness is it has to start from the individual that recognition. And as I've spoken to our a lot of our uh, uh, psychologists, they agree that uh, a lot of times, unfortunately, in the policing world uh, and the the type A personalities that we have who typically get attracted to the business, uh, by the time we actually is identified, there is a problem, uh, it's, or it might be we have missed the boat maybe to really deal with it uh, from an early stage. But that early stage is only evident by the individual themselves, and before it becomes uh, more noticeable to others, uh, if, if, if they can actually look after themselves at the onset or in the beginning, it's a much more uh, success rate as to how we can manage and, and give them the help they deserve. Uh, the culture of trust and respect, I'm gonna to touch on that a little bit more. Uh, police work is all about accountability. Uh, we have to be accountable to our citizens. They, uh, there are, uh, like in my department, uh, as the chief of police, one word I would never use is somebody working for me. Yeah, I'm at the, you know, at the chief of police, uh, I have that responsibility but it's not, nobody works for me. Every, everybody here works for our citizens. And I've, I've made that very clear to the staff here. And that comes with a huge level of responsibility, especially in the policing business, when you're given extraordinary powers to deal with crime, to deal with issues, and, and keep the citizens safe. And those powers, we have to be accountable and responsible for the powers that we have. And, and we are really trying to uh, force uh, that message and make sure that every employee is adhering to that to those. Now, we do have at times the uh, odd person who may not abide uh, within those guidelines and play with, nice in those, those goal posts, but that's when the accountability piece comes in to make sure the processes are, are put in place to deal with them and hold them accountable. So that, that's that's critical because if we want to have public trust, we have to make sure we have an accountable and responsible organization. And a lot of effort has been uh, put into place in the last few months to really send that message, and also not only send a message, but also show through actions and processes in place that uh, we, we we mean what we say. And and we'll continue to message that, trying to draw those lines in the sand, uh, that are very clearly marked and basically uh, making sure people don't uh, go outside of those lines. Again, public trust is a critical piece of uh, police, uh, delivering a police service, and uh, and I'm really, uh, that's a, a huge priority. Uh, now, when, when we talk about challenging ourselves for to efficiencies, and uh, uh, this talks about how do we actually serve our citizens better? How do we drive crime down? What is our focus on, on what are the, some of the things that we want to do? Uh, policing has changed. We uh, we want to be much more uh, evidence-based and intel-led in our service delivery. And that comes uh, through not just having more boots on the ground or more police officers out there. That comes from a lot of analytics uh, programs, and, and also uh, making sure that we work smarter, not just harder. Uh, Those components are gonna help this department to actually become more efficient, be more focused on on what the real issues are, real areas of problems are, uh, real criminals who are causing more harm in this community. And by focusing on that, uh, it can certainly make us more efficient in what we do operationally and and provide a better service to the community. So on that front, we have uh, worked in the last few months and we've implemented the ComStat model and crime reduction methodology that uh, we just had a first meeting uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we'll continue with those meetings to really look at the analytics, the intelligence that's coming in, how we can use that to focus our officers. So, when our officers are uh, engaged, being under patrol or setting goals on their operations, they need to do is focus, and, and everyone is uh, pushing on the same front versus uh, fragment and service that still serves the community, but uh, have a more of a team approach to uh, tackling crime and serving our our citizens. And that's a big piece that uh, we are uh, really proud to have implemented, and we're just going to continue to work on that front to make it even better. This feeds into the next uh, slide's uh, top point, which is use of technology and uh, in-house expertise uh, to planning operations, because that feeds into being efficient. And, uh, and on that front, we, we as I mentioned, we are really using the programs that are available uh, to capture the intelligence we get in our systems, to map out what the issues are, where the crime is happening, who's doing it, and then focus our uh, our operations on that front. And also, third piece of crime reduction methodology is crime causation, which has to do with social issues which has to do with things that are not really within the police mandate or expertise. And it takes a bigger team, police being included as a partner, to deal with it. And already we are engaged with the City of Lutbridge uh, that uh, we are actually implementing something to have the community wellness strategy that the police is certainly at the table and uh, looking at what other resources are in place, how uh, the services are delivered, and also stop duplication of uh, delivery of service to make that piece more accountable. And uh, and hopefully uh, some of the social issues uh, that are causing a lot of uh, pressure and uh, stress on the police can be dealt with uh, through better means and uh, better uh, individuals and agencies who have the expertise to deal with them versus police dealing with them uh, with, uh, you know, areas that, that are really foreign to us. And we don't have any expertise. So we're really, really looking forward to that partnership and leadership from the city of Lethbridge to uh, actually implement that and certainly be an active partner in that venue. Uh, communication is critical uh, uh, and that that from every employee. Now, when, I just had an opportunity when I arrived here uh, to be able to have a one-on-one meeting with majority of the employees here, uh, which I thought was really important to get to know people uh, based on who they are as a person versus just a name and a uh, and an employee number. And one of the biggest topics of discussion with the majority of the employees was communication. And everyone is always looking for more communication and striving for that. And we all, we all when we are talking about that, a lot of people see communication only as a a motion of up to down, you know, how, how are the leaders communicating with uh, others? But uh, I see communication on three different fronts, uh, which I'm really trying to promote in this department. One is basically top-down approach of communication as to information employees need to do their job effectively, and, and all the stuff that they may need to communicate to them. But the second form of communication is about uh, bottom-up communication, because. The leaders also have to hear from the employees and and know what's going on to be able to address the issues moving forward. But the third level of communication, which is the most important, that uh, part of com- uh, medium of communication that I really want to encourage is the lateral communication, which is what goes on around people. How do we communicate to each other? How do employees communicate with each other? Uh, the stuff that they're talking about and and the the efficiencies that they're talking about the they outside of the box thinking that they're talking over coffee. And, and that's critical because that, that's the form of communication, in my opinion, that builds a team, makes the team stronger because people are talking together. So uh, I'm really trying to focus on that to see how we can improve communication from around us versus people looking at top down, bottom up. But That third level of communication is critical in organizations, uh, team building and success. Which uh, feeds into the last uh, piece is how do we build a better team, and uh, and that's always a challenge for every organization department, because uh, I I'm not aware, and I know there are no perfect teams out there. And anyone who claims they have a perfect team, uh, they must have their head in the sand. We don't we don't have perfection anywhere. Uh, as human beings, we are not perfect, and uh, that starts with me, and organizations are made of human beings. So uh, since we don't have perfect team, we, but there's no reason why we can't think of that perfection and moving towards that. It's a goal we never achieve, but every step towards a positive step t- towards that is, is a key step. But when we talk about a team, I want people in Luckbridge Police, all our staff employees, from police officers to civilians. Uh, Everybody, I want everyone to know they have a critical role. Uh, Critical role doesn't mean having a gun and a handcuff on your hip, getting out there and arresting people. Every civilian employee has a critical role to play to support those police officers. In fact, our civilians here, I see them as a platform what police officers need to be standing on to be able to do their job. So we need to give them the recognition and the importance they have on our team. But, the, but more component of the team is uh, people looking at each other as teammates and, and how their contributions is promoting that team and how their efforts is actually fit into, into that puzzle and making operations better. So <clears throat> I, I really have really tried to encourage people to reflect on that. What is their role? How do they fit into the puzzle? And, and make sure that they have to take pride in the role they play because without that, the engine can't run as smoothly as it should be. So it is critical for everyone to feel valued, feel wanted, and know that the contributions are making a difference in public safety in the city and and be proud of those accomplishments. So as a chief of police, I don't consider myself as a team leader. I consider myself as a teammate with different level of accountability because uh, I always talk about... Titles and uh, positions are, are not really positions of power; they're positions of accountability. So I'm accountable to every employee here, and I'm also accountable to every citizen in the city. So we can go to the next slide because I got to push through this. We only got limited time. External challenges. <clears throat> so number one, again, we always ask the question: Why do we exist? Uh, we, we we exist to serve the community and. I I often remind people, public servant means servant of the public, period. So we we are here to serve the public. And we need to make sure we have uh, true engagement with our citizens and make sure they value and they trust us, and and also they're also our partner. Policing is not a function that can just be given to the police force, and uh, citizens have a critical role to play in their community safety. and. and community moving forward. and as and as they play their critical role and partnership, the police has that other piece of the critical role to make sure uh, we do what we do operationally to reduce crime. But uh, you know often I've talked to uh, people that if we don't have citizens' engagement and uh, and basically, uh, how they actually, what they do to make this community better, certainly, we can have a 1,000 more police officers here, crime is still going to go up. So uh, we have to develop a more trusting relationship so they talk to us and they bring us uh, the the issues that is going on in the community. Uh, Some citizens often, in my previous work with the RCMP, we often heard that they don't like to call the police because it takes too long for them to show up or nothing gets done. And I also used to tell them that that's not the right way of looking at it, because if citizens don't call us, we are not going to capture the intelligence we need to actually put the resources where they need to be. And, and those calls are going to give us that opportunity to plan our operations better and make sure that we, we are giving our efforts are, are going towards areas of concern to the citizens. And if they don't call us based on the new technology and analytics, there's no problem. And so the problems go to the people, to where the problem lies, and that comes through education and people calling in. Um, I've talked about citizens' critical role in promoting a safe community. Uh, in a nutshell, safe communities don't attract criminals. People who look after the community and make make crime hard to do, it distracts people from committing crime, and they go to areas that it's easier to commit crime. It's a known fact. So, as as the citizens do their part to protect their belongings, homes, cars, uh, assets, everything, I believe as they make it more difficult, make doing crime work in this community, I believe the criminal's attention is going to be uh, to going to other places where it's much easier to commit crime. And I really want to work with our citizens to to bring about those changes and see how we can. As a community, both police and the citizens can make the crime more difficult to commit in this community. Um, next slide, please. Uh, I've talked about this enough, uh, basically uh, enforcement efforts that uh, target and focus on real problems. Uh, the, when I first joined policing, we had uh, routine patrols. Uh, we, don't, we don't use that term anymore. There are no routine patrols. We want, like to use the term focused patrols, or focused operations, because routinely we just don't want a bunch of people driving in marked police cars just, just for the sake of it. We want those patrol cars, visibility be where it's needed, and, and that, that's where we need to go. When somebody, well, our officers, I always encourage them to know enough about the community and challenges here, and we give that to them through different means, so when they come to an intersection, they have the option of going right or left. When they make a decision to go right, it's for the right reasons. It's because that is going to actually provide better results as far as serving the community, versus going right just because that's right, the flavor of the day. So they have to be, we have to be focused on what we do, and I can't put enough emphasis on that. Uh, Strategic use of uh, partnership is critical because we have many different uh, programs and groups and uh, agencies in this community who can really help the police promote public safety. As I said, it's not just police's function, it's everyone's function, but there are those strategic partners that can really uh, uh, help us in that goal to try to make, uh, make this city safer. We will never have a city free of crime, that would never happen, but as long as we are on the right track reducing the crime and victimization, I think we are on the right track. Use of social media and recognition of both pros and cons of this tool. Social media is a huge beast or or actually benefit, so we, it, it depends how it is used. Uh, uh, when something comes up, uh, we get really beat up. When something good comes up, we get even beat up more. But, but at the end, we need to p- provide the information to the public, and that's what we do. What the public decides to do with that uh, is their choice, but uh, we that's one medium that we can give the information quickly, efficiently, and easily to the public when we can provide the information. Sometimes uh, both the media and everyone is, you know, when something is going on, they want information right now. and. We are bound by certain legislation and rules and laws around those that we can provide that. But we, we, we put something out uh, out of respect to, to have the communication out there. But at times when we are not communicating, it's because we are hiding or we don't want to. It's because we can't. And doing so is going to cause more problems for the department and all, at times even derail investigations that have, uh, a lot of people have invested a lot of time on. <clears throat> uh, but again, I can talk about media for hours. Uh, and sometimes, again, we, we just have to look at how that plays into policing work. Policing has been under a microscope as long as I know, and and it's the right thing because at the end, we need to be accountable and responsible to the public. Uh, however, at times there there's attacks based on limited information on the department, and and that that's something that. We can't control, but uh, as I've mentioned before in very recent media scrum that I had, it's all about being patient and allowing processes to take their course so we can actually deal with them in a proper way. But uh, but again, uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of questions coming on that. Um, on that note, uh, I just want to cut this uh, short. That's the presentation I have today, and I'm really looking forward to any questions that I can answer because... Uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of fun.
0: Thank you very much for that very enlightening presentation. And you're right, we have a lot of questions in the queue, so I'll just get started right away. Uh, our first question comes from Tom Muffet. The LPS has adopted a mostly non-ticket approach to enforcing health restrictions. Are you basing your approach on any empirical evidence, studies on foregoing enforcement?
1: Well, the the health uh, regulation enforcement, uh, we do get calls for uh, violation of our uh, health regulations under the uh, uh, the act right now. Uh, at times when our officers have actually arrived, by the time they arrive, the, uh, the people either have dispersed or they, they're not, noticing any, any wrongdoing. So based on that, they have a talk to people and send them on their way and make sure it doesn't continue. But uh, as I mentioned in the recent uh, media with the mayor here, uh, the when you look at the health regulations and uh, what's happening with the COVID, uh, our message to people is, again, it talks about people's responsibility, how we can deal with this pandemic. So ticketing, ticketing is one one way. But it's not the only way, because I've I've offered that when when we ticket people, the transfer of the virus, if somebody was exposed to it, is already done. So it's too late. You just give a ticket, but people go home with a ticket in their hand. Meanwhile, they've exposed the virus to 10 other people, which is really uh, not the answer. The answer to this uh, pandemic is for citizens to actually do their part, do their critical part, to keep themselves and others safe. Now, I, I get the fact that some people don't like the anti-mask movements and, and they have their own ideologies, and they, it's a free country. You can have that. But the, the other piece is, too, yes, there's freedom, but there's freedom for everyone. So people who choose to wear a mask or choose to keep themselves safe shouldn't be put at risk by the people who, who oppose that, which is a very small minority. So it's all about being, having respect for the uh, rules having respect for other citizens. And when sometimes criminal behavior is exhibited as a result of these ideologies and movements, then there is no really, it's not about even thinking about that. If no citizen has to be bullied or harassed or intimidated by someone who opposes their ideas, somebody chooses to wear a mask, that's the way it is. And and they have the right to do so. And the minority people who choose not to abide by those rules have to respect that. Uh, so, again, when you talk about ticketing, uh, it's not just about ticketing. And we have issued some tickets or uh, when we needed to. So we're not afraid to do that. But we also say that in this case, when, when we're dealing with a pandemic, ticketing is not the answer necessarily. Uh, but uh, if we have to, we do. But people need to take more ownership and responsibility to do their part to keep themselves safe. And i got to be honest, do I enjoy wearing a mask when I'm not in my office? Absolutely not. Uh, Even when I go, uh, you know, a lot of times when you're trying to do certain things that you typically are not used to doing with a mask, you're forced to do that. I don't enjoy it myself, but I do it because I want to keep myself and my fellow citizens safe and the sooner we do that the sooner we get a control on this uh, pandemic and the virus then we can all go back to our normal lives but fighting it is just going to extend the time that we are forced to these regulations and and, uh, but again it's just what people's responsibility ticketing uh, you know we ticket people who speed does that stop speeding not necessarily it corrects the behavior for some people but, uh, but again, uh, this is a pandemic we are talking about, which is a totally different beast.
0: Okay, we have a lot of questions in the queue. So um, first of all, folks, we're only entertaining your first question. Um, <clears throat> if you have second, third, fourth questions in the queue, we will probably not get them to them. But if we do have time at the end, um, The session goes till 11 o'clock as the chief has other commitments after that. And chief, maybe just keep your answers a little shorter so we can get some more questions if you're okay with that. Our next question comes from Mark Goodall. Has your organization investigated how many other people, aside from Shannon Phillips, have had their private information used by the LPS officers for personal or partisan reasons?
1: First of all, we have no evidence at all that there's been any uh, partisan use for uh, information. The, the Ms. Phillips' uh, uh, investigation that was completed on the two officers had to do with two people uh, making a decision to uh, paint outside of the line as far as our uh, policies in relation to use of databases here. So, uh, uh, but no, we are not aware of anything like that. Uh, and at this time, and again, the, the extra information that was provided uh, based on Ms. Phillips' FOIP uh, as far as the few more officers who have been in our databases, that's under investigation. I can't really comment on that, but uh, I'll be, once they, I get the results of the investigation, then we can see if there was any violation at all because there's two ways that, because there might be nothing there or there might be something that we have to look at.
0: We'll follow up on that. Our next question comes from uh, Timothy at the Leftbridge Herald. Chief, many of many on social media have been critical of you on the comment you made, and then in brackets, only God can judge, in relationship to the officers being investigated in the Phillips case. Can you clarify what you meant? Thanks.
1: Uh, and that was taken totally out of context. They. The context of that was someone asked me what do I believe happened and my comment to that was I don't have the facts yet and I don't make judgments when I don't facts then I don't have the facts and I also said I can't I cannot make judgment as a human being on other human beings because again if I was perfect then maybe I can make a judgment no human being has a right to judge other human beings but what I do is I look at the facts and I look at the remedy and what we do with those facts. And every human being has a right to their dignity and uh, making sure that we don't strip their uh, confidence and dignity away from them. And, and I I think if, if even the most worst criminals in this country, they're still entitled to their dignity. No, we hold them accountable. Holding accountability doesn't mean stripping their dignity away from them. And in, in, in this case, the, when I mentioned about a generic statement that only God has reserves the right to judge human beings, and human beings don't have the right to judge other human beings, that's my own policy, is as a human being, what right do I have to judge anyone because I'm not perfect myself? So that that's the context of that. It's not about uh, people who have violated policies. Uh, it has nothing to do with accountability This has to do with the fact that we are here not to judge, we are here to look at the facts, let them come through and see what we are going to do with them to hold people accountable. that's, That's what I meant.
0: Our next question comes from Colleen Quintel. Can you define what transparency and accountability means for the LPS in terms of earning public trust, especially in light of all the ongoing internal investigations?
1: So, one one comment I have to make is uh, the Ludbridge Police Service today is not what you read in the media, but again, a lot of these investigations and issues have been very dated. They're from several years ago. So... But again, the, the transparency is about what processes do we have in place to make sure they're properly investigated and people are held accountable, if they need to be held accountable. And how do we communicate that to the public? The, my commitment to everyone is this organization, we are not there doing all the stuff that no, what ha- what happened before. A lot of those investigations have been subject to, uh, or files have been subject to proper investigations with outside agencies, and now, unfortunately, or fortunately maybe for me, in the last few months, they're all coming on my desk to deal with them. How do we deal moving forward with them? They are not pushed under the rug. They're they're subject to very uh, active processes right now under the police regulations that we need to abide by to hold people accountable. These things take time. And I can't, uh, I can't just uh, uh, swing a magic wand and, and expedite that. Everybody has a right to a right process, legal process, and that's what we're following. Because if we weren't to follow that, we have some officers who need to be held accountable getting off because of those processes uh, that, that are not followed. So when you talk about accountability, so it's all about making sure we hold people accountable through a right process, based on communication with the public and be transparent in what we are doing. Uh, I believe I've been very much, as as much as I can share with the public, I have done so. And I will continue to do that. But at times people have to also realize sharing too much information is gonna derail some of these processes and bring about uh, negative results, which is not gonna be good for the department or, uh, or the public as far as uh, what their expectations are. But my commitment is I will hold people accountable, and uh, that's certainly going to be coming uh, to a right process. But it takes time, and I need patience.
0: Our next question comes from Violet Me- Meekma. What can the citizens of Lethbridge do to show support for our officers?
1: Well, they're, they're already doing a lot of that. Uh, even when I walk around, they're coming to me showing their support. Uh, one thing, though, they would never do is go on social media because they get bullied in social media if they do support us, which is fine. But uh, but again, the, the show of support comes in different means. Uh, they, they're verbally telling us that they're in support. They, they, they take the time to actually communicate that to us uh, through other means. And again, one thing that I see is they still calling us because the they know their police force is there to support and protect them, and we take great pride in doing so. So uh, I don't know; it, it's all it's all about individual uh, interest as to what people do. But uh, I personally have got many comments that, of support, uh, per, and also our officers do that. And I I uh, I really want to thank all the citizens who take the time to do that because. During these times when the uh, organization is under attack by many different fronts, for a lot of uh, stuff that we're we're already in the right path to correct and move forward, uh, these, these comments and support is critical to keep our employees motivated and, and uh, focused on the job they need to do to keep this community safe. And you know what? Uh, I'm quite proud of the men and women in this organization who every day they show up for work. And my only message to them is, don't worry about the beatings, I'll take the beatings. Uh, You know, I got a thick skin, Uh, but I just want them to just focus on what they need to do to keep this community safe.
0: Our next question comes from Bridge City News. LPS released a statement yesterday that Minister Modu Oh, sorry. Minister Madhu wants an action plan from the LPS by April 16th. The statement goes on to say LPS will have it to them to him before then. What will that action plan include?
1: Well, we, we've been working on it diligently. And in fact, every day we keep coming up with more ideas. that uh, we just want to share with the minister as to the, these efforts are not something that we just created. We have many efforts in the last few months that uh, we've implemented and already on the go. Uh, when I came to this job, I knew there was a, uh, there was some work to do on, uh, on developing this team and gaining public trust. So this plan, we, we've been working on it, but now we're actually putting it in the context for the minister's review to assure him uh, that uh, we're already on it. We have been on it. Uh, it didn't take last two weeks to get on it. We've been on it for several months right now. So this plan comes under many different pillars, which, the, as we look at some of these initiatives that we already on the go, uh, one is obviously ethics and accountability. That's the most critical piece because we need to make sure people have the, the uh, those are solid and it's not that we don't have policies. We just have to make sure we have reminders of those components to uh, every employee here. But again, I can put million more policies and processes in place. People, If people choose to not abide by them, policies are only as good as how people uh, abide by them or not. If they don't, there's accountability measures that we put in place through the right process, again, to deal with them. But So one pillar is ethics and accountability. The next piece is leadership development. Then there's employee wellness and mental health uh, that we need to provide uh, to our employees. Uh, Database access is a big topic, so we make sure we have measures on that right now to make sure it's more uh, controlled and uh, defined as far as the use, proper use, and communication, and also a communication strategy, both short-term and long-term, internal and external, to make sure we are uh, are providing the information that's needed. So really, the action plan encompasses those five pillars and initiatives under those, and uh, Once we have it actually completed, presented to the minister, I'll be more than happy to share that with the media uh, and uh, basically have a more detailed discussions on that.
0: Right. Our next question comes from Claude Peterson. Um, Chief, were you aware of most of these problems you are having to deal with now before you were hired as chief?
1: Yes, I was. I read the media like anybody else. Uh, so before my time here, uh, I knew about some of these incidents that are actually coming up. But the so certainly uh, knowing that I came here, I one thing I didn't expect is the the pressure, obviously, because I knew there'll be public pressure, and uh, but now the pressure is a uh, little more than what I had would have expected. But that's my job to deal with that uh, we I think we have a I know we have a great team to move forward and and address some of these issues because some of the stuff uh, people read and unfortunately uh, uh, especially one media outlet uh, is very good at making it as today's problem that this stuff is happening today but it's not these are historic stuff that we are dealing with and if they happen today we deal with them again. Uh, one, one commitment is, We are going to hold people accountable to the right process and make sure uh, people abide by the rules and the critical role that they have to play, important role they have to play in the community. So uh, on that note, we uh, will continue to work on that front, work with the people and make sure the right things are are done. But uh, again, uh, I certainly knew some of these issues, but I also know some of the issues are already investigated and now we are at the stage that we have to make a decision, where do we go with them? So investigation is completed. What do we do with these officers? Uh, and I just want to also let people know, and I said that in my last media of uh, Scrum, uh, as a chief of police, there is that delusion that I can just go fire people right, left, and center, and, and do whatever I can. And uh, I just have to remind people, I don't have those authorities under the police act or regulations. There is a process in place to hold people accountable. Uh, and and we got those in place to deal with them. So uh, did I know about the issues? Absolutely. Uh, but the heat is a little bit uh, higher than what I would have expected, but we'll manage through this.
0: Our next question comes from Laurie Schultz. What actions, will be taken to ensure officers and civilian staff feel safe enough to not feel pressured to align with or be influenced by alliances that typically develop in toxic work environments
1: so we're talking about groupies and and people who just uh, get along uh, you know, more than with others you know any organization has that i uh, but what i have is again trying to promote the team concept and make sure people uh, my expectation of the employees here is very simple come to work do the job that you're paid to do be an average employee serve the community go home to your family now that is a very simple expectation but how these you know people's personal friendships or anything I have no control over what the people do Uh, on their time off and who they want to hang out with. But the the critical piece is, when you're at work, you're going to be respectful of everyone internally and respectful of every member of the community. And and, uh, if you have a bias or uh, attitude towards an employee or anything, you take that home with you, You you're not going to display that at work. If you do, we're going to deal with you, we're going to hold you accountable. And uh, there's no uh, secret the MIMgate investigation that uh, media has talked about recently has to do with that. Is a bunch of employees doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing and talking about other employees maybe. And so again, it's all about accountability, setting the rules straight that that behavior is not going to be tolerated. People need to have a safe environment to work. And uh, by that, I don't mean everyone has to love everybody else. Uh, We are human beings. When you have 300 people working in a building, there's going to be groupies made, and people may love some people, and may not like some other people. That's just human nature. But regardless of that, everyone has to be treated with respect, and they they have a voice. Uh, One of the first things I did here, I met a majority of the employees, which is right now I'm up to about 230 employees, one on one. And this this is from our janitors to the highest level here. so my, my message to everyone is everybody has a critical role. Everybody's a team player. But my biggest message to everyone is respect others. And uh, we are good. Show this respect, and we have got to have to uh, manage that and uh, hold you accountable.
0: OK, our next question comes from Mike. Um, I'm a retired RCMP. How he introduces himself. Um, can you advise if the meme gate has anything to do with Shannon Phillips? If it does, why has she not been informed? And if not, why was it confirmed?
1: Well, the confirmation that come from us, again, that file is still is going to a hearing soon. And what I can share with you is this is it's not about Ms. Phillips. Uh, I can also share this one comment about Ms. Phillips, which is really not uh, that critical. So, in that case, uh, it's going to a hearing, which is a public hearing, and all that evidence, uh, can, once it's presented, people are going to know that this is not, this wasn't a uh, group that was set out to talk about Ms. Phillips. Uh, they were talking about everything. Uh, most of the discussions had to do with about the executives and, and people in this department. And that's the criminal, that's the that's the element that we're already working on, is, is basically that notion of uh, uh, harassment. But that's all I can say about that. Again, it's going to be a public hearing that's going to go through. But uh, obviously, uh, People are trying to make that into a Ms. Phillips' issue, and uh, I can share with you that it's not.
0: The next question comes from Mark Goodall. LPS ran a citizen police academy in 2000 and 2001. This was an excellent way to bring to the public the challenges that police faces and appreciation of the service by the public any possible possibilities that this program could be reinstated seeing that it would be a good time to do this
1: absolutely and and that would be something that we can look at but when you look at the citizen program uh, what we've uh, the department has done in the last couple of years especially with our watch program really uh, these are volunteers who come in they're they're walking around uh, basically looking after the downtown core and also uh, getting exposure to the department. In fact, that program has resulted in people starting in there as a volunteer, getting into an employment with that program, getting into a CPO or community peace officer and becoming police officers. We have evidence of that, how that's happening. And and these uh, volunteer group actually with the watch because they're they're more of a hands-on approach with uh, what the issues that are going on in this city are getting a good perspective of. What is going on and how the department is uh, reacting to a lot of these. But certainly uh, 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 another program would be definitely something that we would welcome provided we, uh, we have the funding and budget to do that because uh, as you know we had a budget cut recently too so we need to manage that. But certainly a great idea and I'll take a note of that to see how we can, uh, how we can implement something like that. Thank you.
0: Our next question comes from Claire Peterson. Chief, can you please explain the relationship between you and the Lethbridge Police Commission?
1: The relationship is great. Uh, I, uh, I have a lot of respect for the uh, our commission, and uh, and we have a very good uh, uh, relationship as far as communication, making sure we are, uh, we are talking and, and addressing the issues. Uh, so uh, uh, I feel supported by them, and uh, they have also my commitment that I'm going to do uh, everything I can do to uh, continue with the role, important role that I have, to uh, uh, make sure this department continues to deliver the service that they need to the public.
0: I'm going to jump here and ask a question, if I may. How um, how is your um, how is your service dealing with the opioid crisis that is just really intense in Lethbridge? How is that going?
1: The opioid crisis, again, is a, it brings issues to the policing, but it's a, it's a uh, social issue. And as I mentioned, alluded before, that we are, we are working with the city to see how we can actually address some of these through better social programs and support for, uh, for uh, these individuals who will have the addiction issues. Um, again, a lot of time when you look at addiction, it's uh, not something that the police has expertise to do. Uh, our job when we get a call over a crime or somebody not behaving right because of those issues, our response typically is going putting handcuffs on people and taking them away. The answer isn't the handcuffs. Uh, The answer is the support for them. And that's what uh, the city of Ludbridge has taken the leadership to uh, try to come up with uh, some responses in relation to giving the true support these individuals need to put them on the right track versus keep arresting them so they can come out and repeat the same behavior again. And that puts a lot of stress on the police.
0: Um, We have a question from Terry Shillington. Could you clarify what a meme and a meme-gate are, please?
1: To be honest with you, I had to learn about that when I reviewed the investigation when I first came to what is a meme? Uh, What what do you mean by that? Well, meme is actually a, a they take somebody's picture and they modify it in a way to make it funny or rude or whatever you see that in the social media all the time to add take stuff away from it and uh, make a make a statement with it so but then the statement could be funny or it could be rude or it could different take different tones so that's really what a meme is and in this case uh, obviously there were some uh, Memes that were created that weren't really appropriate, and that's what the investigation was all about.
0: Okay, our next question comes from Ian Hurdle How has increasing numbers of security cameras changed your policing methods?
1: Well, the increasing numbers of security cameras uh, are we talking about people's personal cell phones? Because I think. I don't know. It's, it doesn't change. At the end, uh, our officers are always reminded to be professional and uh, courteous and do the job uh, that they need to do based on their circumstances. But we also have to remind people that uh, no, there's always something on you, and cameras on you. So, uh, But again, it has, doesn't change how we deliver services because we've we got a job to do. But uh, we also have to be have to realize that uh, uh, it's is basically people are watching and making sure that we do it with utmost respect. Now, a lot of times, too, when I see snippets of uh, uh, cameras that are shown to us, unfortunately, sometimes people fail to show the whole thing <laughs> because they take care, there's, there's stuff behind that you no know, results in certain behavior that uh, sometimes only that behavior at that time is shown versus a lot of stuff be- before that resulted in that. So, but at the end, we, we are very mindful of that. doesn't change what we do. We have a job to do. We know our uh, uh, limitations of our uh, powers and how we need to behave. Uh, but again, uh, it's, a, it's something that everybody, every citizen should know. Smartphones, everything is, uh, is everywhere, and we all have to be responsible that way.
0: Our last question comes from Claude Peterson. Mayor McGrath Drive South is known as the local racetrack. Comments please.
1: Well we, uh, we just did a uh, media scrum on uh, racing and that behavior. Uh, we have our officers uh, looking for that and we've also encouraged our citizens to report this behavior so we can get on it because I can't have police officer at that location all the time looking for these individuals. And if I did, they'll move somewhere else to do it. Uh, so, but here's a funny thing that after that media scrum, we had one individual came yelling at us, how dare we tell the public to report dangerous drivers? <laughs> That's just a flavor of the day for you.
0: Okay, we have lots of thank yous in the queue. I want to call in Quintel. I want to applaud applaud you on how you handled the budget cut in finding ways to keep officers and staff. Thank you for your presentation today. Laurie Schultz, thank you Chief for your time this morning and sharing your vision to create an accountable and healthy Lethbridge police service. Uh, Tom Muffet, best of luck. Uh, Bev Mandel, thank you, Chief, and good luck. Um, so before we wrap up our um, session today, do you have a take-home message for our viewers?
1: Yes. Uh, first of all, I want to really thank everyone, uh, again, whoever took the time to actually listen to this and yourself for uh, allowing me to actually have this. Uh, this is uh, great to at least get that uh, connection and discussion with the, with the public and... Uh, I really value that. Uh, I, My take-home message is uh, we are on the right track. Uh, again, uh, when uh, when people think in six months somebody can come in and, and change everything and make make it perfect, uh, I, I believe they are kind of a little bit, uh, again, I don't have that magic wand, but we are on the right track. We have a great team here to make it work and make it happen. Uh, but what it does take is patience because There are processes that are totally out of my control out of anyone's control that they need to be respected to move forward and uh, the first priority i have right now is is managing to clean up some of the previous uh, stuff that's still lingering for this department and they keep coming to the media and even though some of them are still concluded continue to come what i ask is patience and and we are on the right track and also uh, have a look at the department based on what we are doing today but not with the, all the mis- some mistakes that were made three four five years ago so really at the end of the day we need to give I, I believe the citizens are supporting us and and we are trying to move forward and look at what we do today and tomorrow versus keep living in the past uh, so really that's my take home message patience is a key and, uh, and I am confident the team that we have, the quality of the people, we we can make this work and move move forward. Uh, so uh, thank you very much for that.
0: Excellent, uh, Chief. On behalf of SACPA, thank you very much for joining us today. We very much appreciate your time, um, folks. Thank you for joining in as well, and we look forward to next week on April first, uh, where we have Cheryl Ann Oberg laugh until it helps. If you can laugh at it, you can survive it. Uh, So we hope you'll join us next week. Thank you.